So when we think of coaching and the coaching practice and it's about clients, yes, it is. But to me, you know, I love the kind of the coaching life. This is about how do we create extraordinary. Welcome to the Coaching Life Podcast, where we peel back the ball crap and brush away any photoshopping to give you an unfiltered look at what it's like to live a coaching life. Occasionally, we meet someone whose presence alone actually impacts us. And today's guest uh, is someone like that. For me, we met around seven years ago. Every time I've spent um, some time with him, and gosh, we were just talking, I think it's actually been about four, four or five years I've always felt his very warm, loving, graceful, accepting presence. And um, you will have heard me talk about the power of presence many times on this podcast. He's, he's a professional coach. Um, he's been a professional coach for around about 15 years, similar length of time to myself. And um, yeah, he's described as an artist, um, an adventurer, very much an adventurer and an educator and has some very strong links to building schools in Africa. He really is using his coaching to make the world a better place and has been involved in some extraordinary projects for the benefit of the planet. So let's explore and hear from him about his coaching life. A big warm welcome to Simon Crow. Hello. Hi. Thanks, Phil. Great to be here. Oh, so lovely to reconnect with you. It's been way too long, but um, yeah, really, really lovely to reconnect with you in these crazy times. But um, Yeah, you too. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I always start with this, just give an opportunity for listeners to get to know who they're talking to. So we met um, at a coaching event. I, I, I think it was one in the US rather than one in London. Yeah. Um, 2013, 2014. And we hung out a few times in London. There used to be a little group of us, actually, yeah. that hung out a few times. Really, really lovely. What what was going on for you? Like, what was what's kind of the backstory that got you into the coaching profession? And yeah, at, at that coaching event. So, what got me into the coaching profession was a conversation with a coach, um, which had an impact on me, which I still feel the resonance of. And I remember thinking at the end of that conversation, "Wow, I'd love to do that for people." And so I started, I started my coach training. This was in about 2005 or 2006. Um, yeah, and, and really, you know, really went for it with a real hunger, like a real drive and a passion. Like before I, before I started coaching, um, I meant, you know, it would describe myself as an educator. I, um, for many years, worked in adult education, adult learning. So I've been a classroom teacher, but I've also been a manager within adult learning. And my ethos has always been about sort of self, um, self-empowerment, self-developed learning. Um, so my, my master's degree is in media technology for teaching adults. So giving adults the autonomy in their learning journey. Um, and what had happened in my career as I had moved up, as it often happens, I got further and further away from the classroom and further and further away from that immediate impact of having a conversation with somebody and seeing, you know, their life change or, or them learning something, which is then they're going to be able to use in creating more opportunities for themselves. And that's the thing that really drove me was that, that 
impact on people and then what they could potentially do with that. And I'd love to loop back round to that at, at some point. Um, <clears throat> so I was getting to the point where I was getting very disillusioned with um, my job. Uh, I, I coached my entire team and so I'd got this team who were almost entirely independent and I'd sort of go into to work um, and didn't really have a role to perform. I thought, well, I didn't really see it as that because I, I hadn't really understood what leadership was about. But basically what I did was empower the people that I'd managed and they did a fantastic job. But it, then I just felt redundant. And then I had the opportunity to work with a coach. And um, I saw through that conversation that I had that I had the opportunity to get back into the direct connection with the, you know, the client, the customer, the student, and make a direct impact on them in increasing the options, possibilities, the probabilities within their own lives. Um, and that's been, my, that's been the golden thread through all of my career, I'd say. Um, yeah, so that, you know, the career's gone like this. In, you know, I've tried so many different things, tried and failed and tried, tried and succeeded. But I would say the golden thread has always been about empowerment. It's about connecting with a person's resourcefulness. It's about, you know, I, I, I do lots of work with other coaches. And what I notice with other coaches styles is, is they can be quite directive or quite harsh or quite. And I always think the, the, the kind of the best way to get anything out of somebody is just to make them feel good about themselves. Because when we feel good about ourselves and not, not in fight or flight response, so I generally, you know, I can be, I can be quite, um, what's the word, bounded and quite clear, because I think that's an important part of coaching. But really, I think if people feel encouraged and feel, and, and feel that they've got somebody who is supporting them and believes in them and will be there with them, whatever happens, yeah. I think that that's a really that's I think that's again that's part of the the essence I bring to coaching. Yeah, beautiful. So, how was um, I guess like coaching business? Because I, I know I was one of the people in in the room and I the, the events that we went to, and you know there are loads of different coaching training events. It doesn't even really matter which one it was as such. But you know I found myself in a in a room. The first one I went to. Um, was in the US in September 2013. It was the first time I'd ever been to anything like this. There was probably 50 people or so in that room. And um, I felt like, I, initially at the start of the weekend, I felt like I'm completely out of place. Like, all these people are killing it. <laughs> uh, people were talking about, you know, making proposals and charging fees that, you know, you could buy a small house with. And um, and then by the end of the weekend, I realized actually that probably most people, if not everyone in that in that room, probably felt the same as me and that um, they wondered what the hell they were doing. And they were there really to find out how could they kickstart, if you like, their their coaching career, their coaching um, business. So how, how was that? How was that for you? Well, if, it, if it's any consolation, I was having exactly the same internal dialogue, you know. Everybody else is killing it. Everybody else knows what's going on. Everybody else is, is successful, better at this, knows what to do. And I think, to be honest, honest Phil, if we're, you know, if we're being vulnerable in this, I think that that's been, again, a theme throughout my entire career. Is I, I always think that everybody else has got this, has got this down and understands what And I'm still kind of you know, floundering and making my way. And, but, you know, your, your podcast is life. And I think but that's, that's life. It's are you prepared to jump in? And, and, and flounder a bit and have some successes and have some failures and well, I wouldn't even call them failures, but some, you know, some, some things that don't go quite the way that you'd anticipated. 
And, you know, I think that, again, that's part of being a good coach is encouraging people to play, to experiment, to be in life. Um, and, and, and also be okay with keep using the word failure, but uh, you know what I mean? Keep being, being with, being with those, those results that don't go quite as planned. As long as you're prepared to learn from them and not keep doing the same mistake, I don't think yeah. that's successful coaching. I mean, make some different mistakes, but you know, not just keep doing the same ones. Well, you've done, you know, you've done some pretty extraordinary things, right? I mean, um, when I, <laughs> I was chuckling, of course, because, you know, as you, as you pretty much pointed out as well, I still feel like that occasionally. I still do that whole comparison thing. And, and I still have, you know, a bumpy ride at times. I, I do notice there's a, there are some pretty basic principles about building a, a, a prosperous coaching life, if you want to use that phrase, certainly. And I notice that I can drift away from those and um, talk about those a lot on, on, on this podcast. But um, you've done some pretty extraordinary things. You talk about like experimenting, whatever. And I think around about this time, probably around about the time that we met or at, at that event, um, there were projects in Africa coming up it was so and i know that you got involved in that so i'd love to hear really more about that story as well because mm. um i think there's really some juice in there um for us to, to for us to squeeze out and how how that has become part of your your coaching life so were you involved in any africa projects prior prior to that no i i wasn't i i'd been to south africa a couple of times um but i'd never I'd never been involved in anything, um, not in the way that, that, that that's panned out. I mean, I now am uh, a co-founder of a UK charity, which is uh, you know, <laughs> which is raising money to to work with a local community. And I'd love to just touch on that for a moment. Yes, please do. Um, yeah. But I got an invitation to go to Liberia. Um, Liberia, you know, the word still makes me feel slightly, you know, gives you because because of when I you know well I, when I was sort of the news about Liberia was lots of horrific, horrific, horrific stories. And the idea of going to that place was really challenging for me, but I described myself as an adventurer and I sometimes just love to put myself in the, in the flow, just jump into the river and see where it takes me. And what I noticed about going to somewhere like Liberia is that everything that you've learned and everything you believe about yourself and everything that you've kind of created as your as your, I don't know, your identity counts for nothing. And then in that moment, all you've got is to, to find a way of being present. That's in my experience. I'll give you a really funny example. I, I, I raised some money and I sponsored a teacher while I was out there. And I actually got the opportunity to sit and have lunch with her. And we sat down and I was expecting her to say thank you, right? I don't, you know, I mean, really, I can, I can, you know, I feel that my ego wanted some acknowledgement for the fact I'd raised money so that she could continue her teacher education. And she wasn't not, not, and she wasn't grateful. She wasn't ungrateful, but she wasn't grateful in the way that I thought, you know, that that's what I'd bought. I'd bought some gratitude with my with my money. Um, and she said, "Why are we why are we having this? Why are we having lunch?" I said, oh, "I'm one who's kind of I didn't want to say I've given you some money. I said I'm you know I'm one who, who's sort of seen to us raising some money so you can continue your education." But what was lovely, lovely, lovely about that conversation is once I let go of the need for it to mean something beyond what it actually was, just for five or six minutes, we had this beautiful exchange where she just started to tell me about her life. 
And at the end of that conversation, we never spoke again. We never sent emails. I never got, you know, it was, it was but at the end of that conversation, um, we just parted having exchanged for a few moments something which felt to me very pure and very loving and beautiful. And she was, she was just telling me about why she was a teacher. Um, and those are the kinds of things that, that I guess that when we kind of when we st- st- <laughs> when we strip away all the bull crappery, you know, that's that's really what this is about. And I think that that's what I it doesn't happen all the time. But when you get that in coaching also, when there's that moment where it's like the hollow bone, where there's just that space where which is just a creative energy between the client and the, and the coach and stuff's happening and no one's really controlling it. But it's just we've created a powerful space oh. for, for in newness and creation like the hairs on my arm are now standing up that's that's why i you know might ask the question, so why do you coach that's why look yeah. my hair's standing up yeah. <laughs> but i'll tell you a little bit about the about the school if i can I'm, I'm trying to be brief but also cover lots of things but we just um had a, a meeting with our our board so we have a, a guy in liberia and my um my colleague here in the UK is sort of co-founding the, the charity as well, Natasha. And a, a year ago, we helped them, or we, we supported them financially, let's say, in planting a, making a cassava found, um, plantation. So 10 acres of cassava. But in order to do this, they had to learn really new um, planting and agricultural methods. Um, it didn't go quite quite to plan. And then we had COVID and what happened was they started, because the idea was that we were going to de- develop a sustainable community that then could sustain the school that we're building. So we're building the capacity to, to build a school, which will then stay open. So we thought by having a 25 acre farm, we could raise money, feed the community. And I found out that, that during COVID, they were able to feed the family. So they were distributing 50 kilogram bags of cassava. Cassava is like a big root vegetable, if you're not, not sure which can be ground into flour and things. And so we, they managed to feed the community through a food crisis, which was just extraordinary. Then they um, harvested the cassava, had it processed and then sold it and made a small profit, which they're now investing into a palm plantation. But what was really, really uh, sort of rewarding for me is they're now going out to neighboring communities and teaching them the farming methods that they've been taught on how to grow cassava more effectively, more efficiently with, with efficiently with modern farming approaches. I and mean, it's all hand-based, but it, you know, it's apparently there's a, there's a, you can get more yield if you do it a particular way. And they are now outreaching to other communities. And you suddenly think to yourself, I thought I was building a school. And now what I'm finding out is that, I'm being a catalyst or a part of a process in which is empowering people to, to feed themselves, to look after themselves and, you know, raise up other communities. And that to me is, it's, it's just, it's just wonderful. It's just a beautiful example of what coaching is. This isn't one-to-one client coaching and they pay me big money and I, you know, and we go and do something, you know, start a new business or something. I do that too. I love doing that. But this is, this is the coaching approach. This is about how we empower. We talk about resourcefulness over resources. So we, you know, we're really, really careful about where we give money. The money is the last thing. It's, uh, and, and, you know, and it's, it's just been beautiful. And I sponsor a young woman who I met in 2014, Nikki, who's, it's her birthday actually on, on Saturday. And I've been paying for her through school and education. And she's now at university. And she's in her third year of medical school. 
And she was someone I met in a workshop in 2014 who told me her dream to be a medical doctor. And I, like, <laughs> I said, oh, I'll help you, right? Mickey is now, you know, we, we spoke a couple of nights ago, you know, we, we, and I've been through all of her trials and tribulations through her life. She lost her mother a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago. And we were as a community, again, all the coaching community, people sent money and we were able to, to give her a good funeral and, and give the family enough money that they can at least feed and, and uh, Mickey can continue her education with her young siblings looked after. You know, they, this is, yeah. So when we think wow. of coaching and the coaching practice and it's about clients, yes, it is. But to me, it, you know, I love the kind of the coaching life. This is about how do we create extraordinary? And I've got people launching businesses all over the place. And they're not all clients of mine, but just people in my community. Um, just by believing in them, believing that helping them to believe in their biggest goal. You know, I, I, the big idea is what I've become associated with. That's what, I, that's what my charity is called, the big idea. Because well, I asked Emmanuel, who's part of our board, what his big idea was. And he said to build a school. And I said, well, I'll help you. And that was five years ago. Um, and that's what I've been doing. And I, it's not because I know how to build schools in, you know, in developing countries in West Africa. That's not, I wasn't, I wasn't bringing my skill set, you know, or my, but we, you know, we had extraordinary, extraordinary experiences. Oh, and the one I've just told is just, you think, God, this is why, this is, this is what the impact can be. Wow. Really? Wow. Uh, while we're on that subject, by the way, and I'll put it in the show notes, if people want to find out more about that particular work, um, where can they go, Simon? Let's, let's so the, plug that. The, the, well, contact me directly is always the best thing because I love to have okay. conversations with people about that. And if you put my email and my website, but we have a website called the, the, the big idea dot space. Okay, cool. Cool. Be in the show uh, it has some of the, has some nice photos and things of what we're doing at there. So let's go, let's kind of just close the loop perhaps a little bit more then, because I know that I was in that room um, where we met because I wanted to make more money. Right? I wanted to make mm. more money from coaching. Mm. Um, and, and I certainly don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I, I know that I've learned since that putting my focus solely on that has been very unhelpful. And in fact, I, I, I'm reminded of that even now, so many years later, that um, if I think, if, if, I, if I want things to go better in my business, I have to remind myself, slow down, where is my focus? So just listening to you talk about with such, you know, incredible, well, passion even seems like such a pathetic word really to describe what I see in you coming alive in you just that love um, and energy around that being involved in that kind of, in those kind of projects, that kind of work surely must change you personally, as well as your coaching. So I, could you speak to that? Like what, what's changed in you? What's really changed in you? Cause you've touched on it, but what's changed in you and what's changed in, in, in your coaching and um, how you view clients, client creation, that whole piece. Yeah. Um, I think it starts from a perspective that anything is possible. And, and I think if you're, if people are prepared to dream, then if they, you know, if they're prepared to dream and then prepared to step into that dream, 
And what I mean by it is that there's a threshold. I wrote a book called Thresholds. I don't, uh, you know, this is all about story. This is my thing at the moment, thresholds, that we have moments in our lives, and I'm at one at the moment about moving to Italy. And we come to our threshold, and what lies beyond the threshold is new and scary and uncharted and full of unknown and the emotions that come with that. And on this side of it, there is safety, security, you know, um, yeah, you know, predictability. Mm-hmm. And many people stand on the brink, on, on the threshold, and can't find their way over it. And many people um, step over, and this is over, and then try to get, and then try to get back over. You know, get, you know, try, try to unsee what they've seen. Um, and other people <laughs> just stay on the other side, just stay on this side. Now, the people who stay on this side and are happy and, and content—that's perfect. Those ones, those who are standing there and dreaming and it's you know it's becoming like obsessive that they want to be on the other side of the threshold that's what i do for people i help them across that threshold and then i help them to create the path to whatever it is that they want to create so my enrollment is really just finding out whether people have got a dream a vision a passion something which is unmet within them um and then finding out if they're the kind of person who wants to stay on this side, then that's fine. Or they're the ones who want to, to go, you know, to live the life of the adventurer, um, the, the hero's journey. And I've done, I've done, I've done, read lots of stuff around Joseph Campbell. I love, love some yeah, of his, yeah. his approach, and I love all of that. So this is like it's the hero's journey, and I'm Gandalf, or I'm the person who's going to be there alongside you, not knowing the answers, but being able to make it okay while you fathom it out. Um, <laughs> and, and so what's changed for me? Well, until I got on a plane to, to West Africa, I went to Ecuador and did something which was kind of very similar. Um, I've taken groups of my own groups of leaders out to Liberia since, you know, I, I've organized groups going out. We've done all kinds of wonderful things with, with communities out there. Um, yeah, so that, that's what's changed, is that I have a bigger... So most people think what's big is big, and my view of big is big is, big is infinite. <laughs> and if you have someone on your team who believes big is infinite, um, and, you're, and you know, there's, there's the connection you want to go on that journey, then there's some great work to be done. Um, and it's, and it's what's, what's wonderful is also a lot of these breakthroughs don't happen actually in the time of the coaching. They can often happen afterwards because once yeah. people have received coaching or have been in the coaching process, they've learned stuff. They've had shifts in perspectives in you know, le- having a new way of thinking, believing in themselves, interacting with the world that has effects forever. I got an email last night from a, a, somebody who I haven't worked with for about the last six months just full of all the wonderful things that have happened to her life, to her in her life, because she said, because you gave me, I, you know, I developed the, the self belief that this would eventually happen. Um, so that that's that's what I think. That's what my enrollment is. Is um, are you? And what I've also noticed, Phil, is that I'm really good at working with people like me. And what I mean is that I've noticed that men between around 45, 55, 60 so very 40 to 60, reach a point in their lives. Some people describe it as a midlife crisis. I call it this creative surge. And the creative surge brings you hard up against this threshold 
and it's very confusing and can be quite scary and there's all kinds of conflicting things. Some people make bad choices, you know, take decisions and make bad choices, develop habits which aren't particularly helpful. And others, some, you know, will step over that threshold. Mm. And I want, they're the people I love taking, because these are people who generally know how, you know, they, they know who they are. They've got some sort of sense of, of, of how they create in the world. They've got some sort of sense of what their skill set is. Um, yeah, they, they're, they're people who have the, have the fle- freedom and flexibility to make decisions for themselves and then act on those decisions. So they don't work, they don't generally work within, you know, work for mm. people. They're generally either an entrepreneur or a leader or a business owner. Yeah. yeah. So they're the people that I really love to connect with. I'm curious really how these experiences um, have changed you. What like, what's changed in you from the guy who was, who was in that room at that event those years ago to the guy that's sitting in front of me now, like, how, well, how are you I, different? I, and how is your coaching life different and your yeah, outlook on, a, on? It's a great question. So sitting in that room, I wanted to be like everybody else. <laughs> like that's what we said, right? They're all, they're all smashing it. And I'm going, so how do I become them, right? What's changed is how can I be more me? You know, how can I, how can I show up more honestly? How can I show up more vulnerably? How can I show up more, I don't know, in, in greater integrity? Um, and it's not, it's not easy because there's a, there is a belief that was planted in me at some point in my life, which said people will only work with you if you're perfect or people will only work with you if you, <laughs> if you've got a list of accreditations or you've, yeah. you know, you've just, yeah. I don't know. So it's about how do you make that shiny image that then people will be drawn to. Um, there is a part of that. And sometimes it's difficult to, to be vulnerable about the challenges and struggles that I've had. Um, but I've noticed you know, the more vulnerable I can be, the more open I can be, then that's actually very enrolling. Because I'm not, this isn't, I'm going to teach you the path where you won't have any, you won't feel any emotion. It'll be easy and we'll just arrive at it. And I've got this list of steps. I've got processes. I can certainly teach you, teach you some, some great tech tools and techniques and distinctions. But this is about the way of mastery. It's a journey. It has to be a journey. It's about the willingness to go on that. Um, you know, and that, that's, that's pretty exciting. I'm, doing a, I'm not doing a podcast. I wouldn't, wouldn't dare sort of trample in your territory. But at the moment, I'm, I'm doing a library of stories of men in between 40 and 60 who have reached a threshold in their lives and have stepped beyond it. Um, I've, I'm doing a series, I'm, I'm on about eight or nine at the moment. Um, and the idea is just to provide people with stories. I love the power of storytelling. I love the way that when we hear people's people hear of other people's experiences, how it shines a light on our own lives. So I'm not talking about people teaching lessons, but just sharing experience and it normalizes our experience. It gives us inspiration. It, it gives us information. Um, so that's what I'm doing, doing at the moment is, is doing a series of, of recordings and I'm going to invite you to do one with me, Phil, at some point, oh, cool. um, yeah. where people just tell their story. And what I want to do that is to make that available because again, it's about, you know, seeing that, that what we call often a crisis, crisis of identity or a crisis of purpose or a crisis of, um, clarity, but rather than seeing that as something which then results in us living in a confused state or, you know, having a divorce or whatever, or, you know, buying a Ferrari, the classic sort of things, it's, that's a creative surge. What, 
what is there? What, what is it that it needs to connect with? If we can join up the dots between your passions, your values, your interests, your joys, the things that give you a sense of purpose and all of that energy that you're feeling, you know, there's the big idea. Oh yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Love it. Love it. So I'm going to guess then it hasn't been a smooth ride. Um, (laughs) And by the way, I relate to what you're saying about staying on the edge because, um, Almost a year ago, and probably by the time this goes out, it will have been a year. I, I arrived in Bali on the 20th of October, and I hadn't ever even visited the place before. But I sold pretty much all of my possessions, sold or donated or trashed, and um, came here with a suitcase. And, uh, you know, intended on just staying here a maximum of six months, maybe three or four. And, um, yeah, still here a year later. But um, and, I, and I've noticed um, that I have changed probably in ways that once I start to describe, I'm already, I'm already deviating from what has really changed because there are, there are changes here that you can't really necessarily put into words. Um, can I just, you, just build on that? Or yeah. Do you, do you, sorry, or do you want to finish your point? No, 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 that was it. <laughs> well, I guess, so what, so what I noticed as you were speaking was that, um, me by by going on these adventures by my by stepping into my into my dreams stepping towards the things that i feel passionate about even without knowing the path is that what what's changed for me is there's no less fear like i'm as i just mentioned bit off air i'm at the moment buying a small holding in italy and my wife and i are moving there in the next three to six months that's untold unfathomable unknowable and so i'm still waking up in the middle of the night you know i'm still having these moments of terror i'm still having those moments of confusion but what i've learned is that's fine that's just that's part of the journey you know and i think that a lot of people think well this you know it's about having the it's having courage and and confidence and it's it's not it's 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 shitting your pants yeah. And then still doing it with dirt and then still still doing it with dirty pants. Has read that somewhere. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Are you prepared to go on this journey with a pant, right. you know, with, with your trousers yeah. full? Yeah, yeah, I guess that's pants. what I for sure. Gosh. Gosh. Yeah. And um yeah, I would say really relate my relationship with fear. I mean, in fact, my relationship with adventure has probably changed um, significantly. Absolutely, for sure. I still experience fear. Somebody said to me not that long ago, oh, my gosh, I, you know, I really admire you that you seem to have no fear. Gosh, you're absolutely joking, aren't you? It can be debilitating. Um, but, I, yeah, I don't put it in the director's chair quite as often as I used to. Still occasionally, but, yeah, but not, not as often as I used to. Um Let's just get a little bit down and dirty as far as like a coaching business goes. What's really your story around client creation? How were clients um, finding you or how were you finding them? And has, has, how has that evolved? You know, 15 years is a long time to be in any kind of mm. career, actually, I think, particularly mm. nowadays. But um, has that changed you now over, over the course of the last few years? Yeah. I mean, so when I first started coaching, um, I just coached everybody I knew. That was the thing. So you just, you know, I think that's quite normal. And then you've Whether coached everybody you know. Or not, you, probably. That's right. That's, yeah. You know, can I buy you a pint? You know, it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> He's going to have one of those conversations with me. You know, um, 
and then you coach everybody, everybody you know, and everybody they know, and then all of a sudden you've got no clients. And so what I started doing was associate work. So I um, I started to train new coaches through a, through a coaching organisation. I used to go into companies and do training and things. And I had a realisation that this was probably I don't know six six or so years ago when I decided that what I wanted was to have my own clients. So not clients that other people one or, or procured and then gave to me for a, a cut of what they'd sold me in at. I wanted to have my own clients. Now I'd always worked in the, in the public sector. I'd been a teacher. I'd been, you know, used to work in local government. The idea of doing something commercially and actually, you know, building a business um, is really, has really been I'd like a, that's my learning. I think a learning curve has been how you commercialize something. Because what coaching is is a process and what people buy is an outcome. And a lot of coaches don't realize that if you talk about what you're going to do, people will never, you know, rarely buy from you. And if you, if you talk about who you are, who's going to do that. So I'm this and I'm good at this and I have these experiences. People aren't going to buy from you. People are going to buy (laughs) the thing they're going to get more money, better health, more sex, you know, all the, all the, the, the boxes. Yeah. I mean, that's what, that's, yeah, there you go. You see. <laughs> and I think that that's what I, you know, that's what I'm learning is that you have to talk to people about what it is that they want, the results they want to create. Now you asked me where most of my clients come from. This is beautiful. So here's me, media, my social media. I have a really nice website. I've got lots of stuff on Facebook. I do lots of these kind of things, lots of generating. And then I have clients who come to me through referrals and recommendations and personal connections. It's so why I spend time doing this, I'm not quite sure, but I guess I've got in my head that that's being a coach is being visible. But the people who who come to me and work with me are generally people who go, you need to work with Simon. And they come to me and they're often already, you know, ready i guess and then it's a process and i take take them through this wonderful process which i call a purpose discovery process where i help them get really really clear on what their purpose is and then we we go from there um so that's generally how i make clients people who know me yeah have met me through networking have met me through personal introduction have met me through ex-clients referring me um, that's where I would say, if you look at a 70-30 split, I'd say 70% of the people I coach come from personal recommendation or personal connection. And I've had conversations with coaches who are, who are kind of starting out who haven't enjoyed hearing that. Like, okay, so what do I do? You know, um, because I just simply don't have enough people to refer. And yeah, I get that. And yet, um, you know, when you have a conversation with just one person and it impacts them, you're essentially planting seeds for, you know, that person can then help spread that ripple out and may well refer to you. And, you know, there is a, there is, gosh, I don't know if you're Steve Chandler school, he would say over and over again, mm. stay on the path, stay on the path, like numerous times. He probably said it a hundred times, stay on the path. And um, yeah, that, that piece really is that, referrals can come really from anywhere like i i don't know if i've told this story before on this podcast i made i made a single post i've mentioned this to a couple of clients recently i made a single post um for one of my birthdays i think it was 2016 
And um, I made an offer, uh, just a small offer to celebrate my birth. I called it Coaching 330. It was something like, and I, you know, a nice picture, a social media picture of a cake with three Coaching 330 on it. And it was three coaching sessions within 30 days for 330 pounds. Uh, and I offered that for just three people. And I got inundated with that and kept having these conversations with people. And um, f- pretty much all bar one client um, for the next year, I could trace back to that post because you know I was having conversations with people they were impacted and like I had one guy I don't know how many people he sent to me would you I would you talk to this guy I really recommended that you talk to this guy and um yeah I mean I ended up gosh I mean I did a leadership workshop gig in Hong Kong it just led to so much other things but the thing that fascinates me by the way about this Simon is that also I think there's a there's an energy also that's at play here. Maybe we can speak to this because a couple of years later, I thought to myself, yeah, that worked out pretty well, didn't it? So this was, so this would have been July, 2018. And um, I'd let my business go downhill a little bit, actually the, the preceding six months to a year. And um, so I was feeling quite needy and I made a very similar, I made a very similar post. And you know, but I was coming from a really different place. <laughs> the first time around I did it, it really, in me, it felt like this is a gift. Like, this is a gift. This is amazing. Not about me, just really the gift of what is possible. Come on, let's get on a call. And let's talk about what's possible for you. What's possible for you? When I did it a couple of years later, it was about, right, great idea. I need, I need, I need. I didn't get a single response. Not a single response. Mm. So, if I were coaching you, like, it's like, well, what? <laughs> well, because the beauty of, of developing new habits and new behaviors is, is things which are replicable. Mm-hmm. So, you had two experiences which were quite similar, which had very different results, right? Okay? Mm-hmm. So, what was, the, the, what was different? What was, what was, what was enrolling yeah. and powerful at the first mm-hmm. time? And what wasn't at the second time? Now, because it's not a coaching conversation, I kind of cut to what I think the answer might be along the lines of, excuse me, <laughs> for not letting, but it'll be going something about your energy, you know, mm-hmm. feeling the, et cetera. So if I were coaching you, I would say, rather than taking the action of making the post, what is it you need to do to create the energy of, yeah. And so it's got nothing to do with the activity it's got about, it's all, it's all to do with, I don't know, I don't know what t- techniques you would use. I'm sure you have a whole raft of, of tools and techniques and processes that you rely on. But I, you know, I try to start my day in, in the kind of Joe Dispenza way. I try to create myself every day. So I do a whole kind of series of breathing and visioning every day to try and get myself into an energetic space in which I can create the things that I want to create far more than what can I do it's who can I be and this is like creating from the you know it's the be do have rather than the you know have be do if I had this then I would be this no no yeah. be it first yeah so you know I'm sorry to have kind of trampled all over no, no, your I story. Get it. And, I, and for me like, like I said I've told this story and shared it with numerous clients to illustrate that point really is about where we're coming from who we are being and um, some people have said to me, oh, so that's like law of attraction. Well, well yeah, maybe. I, I, I much prefer the, the term, the law of creation. And uh, am I in, in the flow of creativity and abundance? 
and certainly that the second time I did that, I, I was not. I, I certainly was not. So maybe this is a segue back to something you said you'd like to loop back to, because clearly there's a real passion for you in that impacting people. And you said early on you wanted to come back to that, like right early on, even in, in the teaching, like it is all about, to me, there's a real joy. <laughs> there's a real joy, and it feels like an honor and a privilege to witness people you know the word transformation means something transforms the form of it changes mm. and mm. people's worlds can change there's so many analogies and they're like caterpillar to butterfly that which is one that i particularly love um do you want to can you speak to that because i know that you touched on it earlier on in our conversation um i i think i need you to ask me a slightly different question mm. It didn't, I didn't kind of connect. Right. Connect it, well, so, so for me, like just going back to the example that I've used, I was not in touch with my passion and excitement of really the gift and the opportunity, the enlightenment, if you like, but as in shining a light on the enabler, the facilitator, the, the catalyst that these kind of conversations can be in somebody's life. I wasn't, I wasn't in touch with that. And I will say over and over again, like I, <laughs> I run a program called coaching life unleash. And I just, I only work with two other coaches a year. That's not a core part of my business, but you know, when I, the people I work with for that, um, generally if they're very new coaches, there is a shift that seems to create exponential change and it's a shift in focus from getting from from getting clients to getting in the client's world creating impact getting curious like you know the beautiful conversation that you relayed um the the woman you spoke to the teacher at the school <laughs> that brought you <laughs> to goosebumps you know so um I'm not sure what the question is, but I just remember that I felt you had more to say really around that because I think there's like, for me, whenever I feel stuck, I, it's because I've, I've kind of, I've come disconnected from that, you know, I've come, I've, I've become well, disconnected from so that what, energy. So what's kind of coming up for me as we're speaking is this, like conventionally what we do is, is we do stuff in order to have stuff. And if we haven't got it, we, we do more stuff or we do it slightly differently. Okay. You know where I'm going with this. Mm -hmm. And there's quite a limited number of choices of how you can do something. You can do it harder, faster, you know, higher, <laughs> you know, but really ultimately you're just doing the same things. Um, to me, the infinite potential lies in the energetic field of being. And so what I do is I spend time, and this is, this is going to sound um, you know, potentially a bit odd, but I spend time dreaming, visioning, breathing, living into, literally walking through the house I'm buying in Italy. The times I've walked through it, the conversations I've had, goosebumps again, the, the experiences, the expressions on people's faces, looking out of the window at the view, you know, I've done that countless times in my daily practice of breathing and visioning, okay? So we're in Italy, we walk into a house, and it's like, oh, here it is. Yes, we'll have this one. Now, we saw 15 houses. I, so, I did, so I watched The Secret, rewatched The Secret recently. Now, the first time I watched it, um, it was the law of attraction. I thought it was like the universal credit card. You just go, well, I want a Ferrari, and you know, it shows up. And Michael Beckwith 
who I love and adore. Michael Beckwith actually married me and my wife at a, at a music festival in California. So this was, that was another dream, like these things that we you know, talk about, crazy weird yeah. things that we create. Yeah, in a sunken Italian garden at a, at a rock festival, a music festival in California, <laughs> Michael Beckwith married my wife and I. How did that happen? Um, but he said, the people who have mastered the law of attraction, so the secrets about the law of attraction, you call it the law of, of creation, are the people who have habituated these processes. That was the word I didn't hear the first time I saw it. Ten years later, habituate. That means do it habitually. So that means to me, you do it daily. You do it, you know, people talk about a gratitude practice. I've got books full of just things I'm grateful for. I've got, I spend time visioning because to me, it's about who we be. We create the infinite, the impossible by detaching from the limited physical world and connecting energetically with the infinite potential of the field of spirit of whatever word you have for it, God, whatever, whatever word you feel comfortable with. But there's a, there's an energetic force which has infinite probability, infinite possibility, and the only way we can connect with that is if we disconnect from the physical in some way. Call it meditation, call it breathing, call it visioning, call it journaling, but habituate that. That's, I think, um, something that I really try to instill in the people that I... So that the email I got from this person yesterday, that's what she pointed to. You've helped me to think differently. And... and so when you were talking, you know, when we were talking about the kind of the, the energy, that's, I th that's what I'm pointing to. It's, it's be, who can I be? What do I do to have what I want? Not when I have that, then I'll be happy. When I have that new house, you know, new partner, new car, then I'll be happy. No, be happy. And then you have a chance of having the things that it is that you're envisioning. Yeah. And that probably doesn't make sense to people as a concept but habituate the being the energetic so you know if you want to be if you want to attract more money be grateful and happy and content with what you have because if you're not happy and content with what you have then you're going to create more of what you don't have it's quite simple um this is about an, a state you know, and it's the yeah. state that creates yeah. Yeah. And our state is our, you know, thoughts are the, are the, are the words of, or the, is the language of the mind and feelings are the language of the body. Get your thoughts and your feelings aligned to the things that you want to create and your client. So don't get on the phone and send a needy email, lie on a, lie on a mat. That's what I do. Put in some cool music, you know, lie there and just go into a dream. And it's not that they then, then you hear a knock at the door, but it means perhaps that when you write that email, so I, you know, I often write emails knowing I'm only doing this to, to please that part of my mind that wants to do something. I know it's in the crappy energy. I know I'm not going to get what I want back from it, but I'm going to do it because my brain you know, feels that that's what it needs to do. But, but I'm going to make sure that I, that I then you know, <laughs> replenish. Because, you know, we're, we're kind of crazy. You know, we're, we're kind of complex beings, aren't we? There is a part of me which thinks the obvious solution is to do more. And sometimes I just have to let myself do more but in the knowledge that I, that's what I'm doing. So with your email, you kind of, I know this isn't going to get what I want, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> so when I talked about the Facebook, LinkedIn stuff going on, that to me is often, is because I have to do something because I have a coaching business. 
but it's the being, isn't it? That's what really is for me that generates the clients. Oh. It's funny, as I say this, you know, I'm thinking, imagining somebody who's just coming to, into coaching and thinking, what do I do with that? You know, what do I do with that information that he's just shared? It doesn't really make any sense to me. Um, and I, I guess that that's, that's part of the practice. That's part of the process. That's part of the 15 years of my mastery you know, is knowing what I don't know, is knowing that this is about habituating. And this is, you know, this isn't just about, oh, I've read that book. Oh, it said it, I read another book. It said the same thing. I know that. Yeah, but are you habitually doing it? No. Yeah. Then, yeah. then you understand it, but you don't know it all the other way around. I don't know what your thoughts on that are. Well, I, if, if I, you know, wanted to simplify um, what I see, because like pretty much everyone who's willing to be really honest um it's been a bumpy ride you know there's been times of feast and times of famine there's been times where you know i've been really concerned that i might not be able to pay rent in a couple of months time and then there's there's been times when i i can't believe how easy it is everything i've touched turns to gold and it just that doesn't hasn't made sense either and yet what i can so which is so which is true is well, it the feast or is it the family? <laughs> to me, they're both true in the, yeah. at the time, right? They're Absolutely. both true. That's, that's what's happening. Yeah. But it, 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 there appears to be a correlation um, between what, I might use this term, kind of, I'm not really happy with it, but what, what's showing up for me, what the, unit, what, what the world is giving back to me, if you like, um, and where I am energetically. Like I, I encourage people to to look at what's your relationship with your business, what's your relationship with your coaching life. In fact, I did some work last year with a, a coach, and she asked me this question: like, if you were in a, if you were in like an intimate relationship with your business, you know, how would you describe that? Like, is 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 your business somebody that you are, are, are like really happy with, that you're loving and you're supportive, or is it somebody that you're constantly telling? are inadequate and uh, <laughs> it's like oh my god and, and and again so there was an energetic shift there it's it's mm. so it looks to me to simplify it mm. I, I i would just invite people to look at where are you energetically in your relationship with your business and with your coaching life mm. i know that's nice. important and I, I did something very similar with relationship with money so if money was a person you know what would mm -hmm. that look like yeah. Well, it yeah. wouldn't. It wouldn't be the kind of relationship I want. I'd want to be in. Often, you know. <laughs> you know right. It's a little bit kind of. Yeah. It's not. It's not. Uh, it's not. It, 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 it's not very enriching. It's not very loving. It's not very accepting. Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to just conscious of the time here. There's a couple of more questions sure. I really want to ask you. So, if you think what 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 have you noticed that that really excites you now? That does give mm -hmm. you goosebumps now. That would have would have surprised Simon Crow, you know, ten years ago. I think I think the the thing that we've been pointing to is that this isn't about the doing first and foremost. It's about the being. And that wouldn't really have made any sense to me. So if I want to have, so, you know, what's your vision? What's your goal? Kind of classical coaching model. What's your goal? What's the outcome? Well, I want to have this. I want to have new clients, a bigger business, yeah. new relationship. 
So what can you do? What have you tried? Well, I've tried, you know, dating sites. I've tried, you know, going to the pub and talking to people. And, you know, and so what can you do? You know, what can you do now? Well, there's very limited options. And what I would talk to the to people about is who, who they're being, you know, and, and, and how they are creating themselves to be the person that when, you know, when they meet or, or, or come across the, you know, their ideal partner, let's use, use that as an example, then there's a knowing. I once wrote on, a, on, a, on a, um, a dating site, I already love you, I haven't met you. And mm. she's in the next room. We've been married for 10 years. You know, <laughs> that was, again, boost from, say, uh, yeah, that, that yeah. was the test. It was just, this, it was just, I described, I created her uh, in my mind, you know, had conversations with her, you know, did stuff, you know, beautiful. And then when we met, I mean, we met online and she was living in California. I was living in London. She's been living in the UK for 10 years. You know, that to me is like how we, like the, I could read to you the description I went of the house that I was going to live in. I literally sat down going, this isn't working. I've not found the house I want. And I started to write today, well, in the next five days, I'm going to find the house that, and I started to list all the things. And I, I can show it to you, you know, one day perhaps I will. And that's the house. It was like, oh, okay. And that, that, that's not what did you, well, I suppose it is there's some doing in that, isn't there? Because there's, there's the action. There's action. There is action behind that, right? There's, there's like yeah. getting in alignment and then the ideas and it becomes obvious really what action steps are then required to participate in that process yes. of creation. Yes. yes. But it's, of course, I'm glad you pointed that out. Of course there's action to take, but it comes, to me, it comes after the, the kind of the connection with the energy of the vision that is that you're trying to create. Then it's also what is what's the inspired action we sometimes call it. You know, what what do you what do you, you kind of rather than the kind of the, the transactional action? Yeah. So, yeah, that that's what I that's the thing that kind of excites me is is energy is is working. You know, there's a wonderful book by Joseph Spencer called Becoming Supernatural. Absolutely recommend that. It's a fantastic book. Um, and uh, he actually taught me um, this idea that he, that he creates himself every day. So he doesn't get up off his meditation chair until he is feeling the energy with which he wants to create his day. Mm. Um, and I do that as often as I can. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not perfect, none of this is, but um, you know, I generally, when, I, when things aren't working out for me, I think it's, it's because I haven't been doing my practices. I haven't been looking after myself physically, emotionally, mentally. I've been drinking enough water. I haven't been meditating. I haven't been doing my breath work. You know, that's 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 what I would never have known. Yeah, ten, yeah. fifteen years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though probably, if I consider, I mean, I read something in a book when I was eighteen years old. So that's uh, thirty odd years ago, and um, you know, it was still pointing me in this direction, but I resolutely refused to look. It's kind of an irony there. I resolutely refused to look in the direction of, of visioning and all that stuff. Simon, it's been a delight talking with you. I'm so grateful to have this time with you. And uh, yeah, I hope that we can meet up if and when I do get back to the UK. So I just want to ask you this really final question. I'll ask this, some of my guests this, but for you then, just succinctly if you were to summarize like for you what is the purpose of your coaching mm. um 
So the, the word that I'm resisting saying, <laughs> so I had an instant answer, I thought, no, no, I'll just filter there. Um, the, the word that I'm resisting saying is, is love. It's to spread more love. And when I talk about love or love and connection, it's about self-love, it's about love of others, it's about love of the planet. And I believe that we feel more love when we release our attachment to the feedback that we receive from the external and we are able to create the feeling of love internally. And then there's the, you know, the drop in the mill pond. And then that's the energy with which you experience life. That's got nothing to do with um, having a, a pain-free, trouble-free, worry-free, angst-free. I mean, I have terrible anxiety. All these are wonderful things, but that's, that's just part of my experience. I, well, let's say I'm the experiencer of those emotions, but they're not what defines me. What defines me is the, the depth of my connection, the depth of my, uh, my ability to love myself more deeply. Um, that's been really, I think if I were to sum up my journey as a coach, it's learning to love myself more, actually. I think that's, that's what's just come up for me there, goosebump moment. Um, and I, yeah, and I think that if, that if we can help people to really understand themselves more, more cleanly, more clearly, and to love themselves more deeply, then what they, what they do in the world, what they create in the world, becomes a lot, lot less limited by you know, the need for feedback to affirm their identity. Um, do good stuff. I think it's fantastic. Do amazing, amazing stuff, but do it because it, it's fun and creative and challenging and terrifying. If that's if they're the thing, but um, yeah, but 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 do it because it it feels loving. What a beautiful point to end on. Thank you so much, Simon. Thank you. Thank you, Phil. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Coaching Life Podcast. I'd love to know what are you taking away from this conversation and how will you use that? Email us at coachinglife at philg.com. And if you'd like someone with over 15 years extensive experience as a professional coach in your corner and as your mentor in building your practice and your prosperous coaching life, my six-month Coaching Life Unleashed program may be perfect for you. It has just four openings each year as I only work with two other coaches at a time. Drop me an email if you'd like more details or to set up a call to explore to see if this highly personalized intensive coaching and mentorship program will be a fit for you in creating and developing your prosperous coaching life. And finally, if you're enjoying these conversations, please share them with your friends in your community and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. It makes a huge difference in helping other people like you get an unfiltered look at what it's like to live a coaching life. Until next time, thank you very much for listening. I wish you much love and joy.